Um, I'm really excited for this morning because I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's always exciting to me. Uh, some people don't like the not knowing. Who doesn't like the not knowing? Raise your hand. I love it when it comes to God because uh, Ar- Armin said it beautifully. You never know when he's going to strike, but he always strikes at the right time, right? Um, and I feel like that's this morning. Um, it's great to have uh, our friends from San Diego. I promise this is not a hostile San Diego takeover. Some have been, <laughs> oh no, what's happening? Um, believe me, their first impression was lightning when they hit the ground. So I don't know if they'll necessarily want to choose to live here. Um, my first impression of, of Minnesota was Shanna. So I'm like, that's a no-brainer. Um, so, well, uh, this morning we want to do what we've been doing the last few weeks and begin practicing, continue practicing, asking the Lord what he wants to do. Remember this? So I'm going to open this up uh, with some prayer. And as we do that, I want you in your hearts to ask the Lord, God, what is it you want to do this morning? What do you want me to hear this morning? All right? Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the weather. Lord, we praise you for all things. Lord, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from you. And so, Lord, we just pray that this morning we would follow you, that we would go after you, that we would never stop seeking and pursuing you because we want to... Um, live as you intended us to live, looking like you, knowing you, not just knowing about you, but knowing you in a deeper way. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning that we would, you would open our eyes and our ears, that we would be attentive to your word, to what you're doing in us and through us, and that we'd have fun doing it. And so we thank you, Lord, and we praise you for the time that we have here. And again, I pray that we would not trap the gospel here, but we'd unleash it from here. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, this morning we're going to recap a few things that we've done the last few weeks. And then um, I'm going to share with you a few things the Lord had shown me this week. Now, if you don't remember this week, um, myself along with uh, Morgan and Diane and Sarah Turner and and Mark, we went to uh, a missions trip up on an Indian reservation in Cass Lake. And it was a very powerful experience, which I'll share about in a little bit, but not necessary for the reasons that we would expect. Um, Again, and I'll share about that in a little bit. Last week, Mark was discussing who we are in Christ Jesus, and he made a list. Do you remember this list? The first one was, I am a what? Saint, right? I am a saint. I am blessed. I am chosen. I'm his child. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm chosen. And so on and so forth. We've been working really hard at making sure that we establish our identity, who we are in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Y'all remember this? And we talked about some of the things that can get in the way in our approach to those challenges, right? We talked about that holy discontent, okay? Does anyone remember what we're supposed to do when we feel that, when God shows us that discontent in our lives, what's the first thing we do? You already practiced it this morning. What? You ask a question. God, what are you doing here, right? Do you remember sharing often, uh, when I see the church, I can be very critical, right? The church culture and all this stuff. And I would act out of a sense of rebellion. I want to do it differently for the sake of doing it differently and then put Jesus' stamp on it. But God, no, 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 no. God says, no, this is my church and it might be messed up because of decisions my church has made because they haven't relied on the head who is 
Jesus, but it's my church, and I love my church. So now start asking question, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do I need to do out of what I'm seeing here? And then that leads us to seeking Jesus, and then that leads us to intimacy, and then that leads us to kingdom living. So Ephesians, we've been going through Ephesians the past few weeks, and this idea is all through Scripture. Paul is always writing from what he's seeing. There's a discontentment, right? Because he sees something not right in the churches that have been established, and so he writes to them out of this discontentment, but always with the question in mind, Lord, what are you doing and what do you want to say to these people? Sometimes it's a hard word, and sometimes it's often reminding them of who they are first. And then going into what that looks like afterwards. So, Lord, what are you doing? And then, what do we do about it? So those of you that read Paul's letters, do you see this trend? There's this discontentment. And instead of just being radical for the sake of being radical, he asks the question, Lord, what do you want to do? Because you see that out of what he brings forth. And so we see this through the letter, and he establishes in the first few chapters our identity in Christ Jesus. How many have struggled with your identity in Jesus? Man, over and over, right? It, it, it's this tennis match, and it's really exhausting. It's really tiring. And I do it all the time. I think, oh, man, I'm not good enough. I can't measure up to this. I can't do all these things. Well, guess what? I can't. Not without him. Because John 15, when we talk about abide, 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 right? You've heard me say that, agnosium. Okay? He says, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So I can't do all these things. I must press into Jesus and ask him what he wants to do. So this morning, um, if you'll take out your Bibles and turn to chapter 3 in Ephesians, um, there's an insert of what we're going to go through today. And we're going to bounce around in there and um, in a couple of other places this morning. But here we have a, a powerful passage that leads into a beautiful prayer that Paul, Paul says over the church in Ephesus at the end of chapter 3. And picking up from uh, verse 1, please follow along. When I think of all this, and all this being everything that we've covered in the first two chapters, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Listen closely. This is God's plan. That both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen. Sound familiar? I am chosen. I was chosen to explain to everyone his mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, 
had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, listen carefully, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Big passage, right? Took me a long time to read. Long time to read. (laughs) And what, what Paul is saying here is that God has this mysterious plan that he has revealed through revelation to his holy prophets. And that is that the Jews and the Gentiles will be united in Christ Jesus. There's the Jews and there's everyone else, and everyone else is the Gentiles. Unless you're Jewish in this room, you and I would be called Gentiles. If not for Paul, we would not know of Jesus. Paul was the the one that went to share the good news with the Gentiles because it's for all people, not just the Jews. So he did something bold and courageous, wouldn't you say? Because in that day, the Jews were not fond of Gentiles. They were barbarians. They were unrighteous. In their minds, they were unclean. And Paul is writing to them with the hope of salvation in Christ Jesus. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. And so that is the mystery. And he says, I have been chosen even though I'm not deserving. Now we just talked about that, right? We don't feel deserving. We don't feel adequate enough. But what we see in Paul is that he recognizes that, but at the same time he says, but I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And so he does. He just does it. That's really cool. So I was pondering on this because at the end, it says we can now, because of Christ, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. And we talked about this over the last few weeks. Oftentimes we stop at the knowledge of him rather than pressing into him, which is why we kind of have a watered down sense of relationship with Jesus spreading around the country and the world, right? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people here that are sold out for Jesus, but I, I feel like I've lived my life as a watered-down follower of Jesus, always knowing about grace, always knowing about joy, always knowing that I should abide, but not pressing in. He calls us to press into him, to know him, to desire him, to be in him. And because of Christ, we can do that. So that takes us to this mission trip. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't extremely excited because there's a lot of prep that goes to these things. There's a lot of energy that goes into these things. And I had great help, and I can't take credit for most of it because I didn't want to do the administrative stuff because it's boring. (laughs) And it's probably not my forte. I want to be around people, and so I had great people around me to help me with that. And so um, we begin to drive up. We're praying up. Our kids are ready to go, and we get there, and we find a reality we didn't expect. And so we went, we went uh, to this elementary school on the Leech Lake Reservation uh, of the Ojibwe people. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Man, I've been trying all week to get that right. And uh, so... I knew that we'd experience some warfare. I would. Because the faith 
of, the, of, of most tribes, um, they believe in spirits and all these different things that come from the Creator. And so I knew that we would be battling some of those things. When you come into a different way of life or a different culture, you're going to battle their religious beliefs, right? And so we wanted to make sure we were prepared. But I found that there was more spiritual battle with the churches we were with than there was with the people themselves at times. Because, I found, and not to be judgmental, this is an observation. It's amazing how loosely across the board, not all, Across the board, we hold scripture and the truth about who Jesus is and how we settle for a lesser Jesus. I feel oftentimes we settle for the Jesus. You see, you know, the white guy on the wall with his flowing beard, you know, and his sparkling teeth. And so I I found it frustrating. We heard some things from Christians, from pastors. We didn't expect to hear. And I said, Lord, what are you doing here? Because right now I want to correct them, right? Here there's this discontent moment. And I want to say to you, hey, you're wrong. Do you even, what, what Bible are you reading? Because I don't see this anywhere. That's my reaction. And so the Lord told me to keep my mouth shut and just keep asking and keep praying. And so I'm praying protection over our students. Because now our students are put in a position where they are being influenced by all different kinds of theology, all different kinds of thinking, not just from the tribe, but from Christians. And so in a lot of ways, we still live in that Gentile lifestyle, not the redeemed Gentile lifestyle, but the Gentile lifestyle that the Jews knew. And uh, it was frustrating. I didn't see the joy of the Lord everywhere. I didn't see the love of Christ everywhere. I found that we replaced the Jesus of love and power and authority with one that has a pretty solid moral code. Let's let's be good to these people. Let's just hang out with them. Let's, you know, say, okay, your God and our God is the same because you believe almost the same thing. Except for one thing. Jesus is nowhere there. Nowhere. One of the elders of the tribe spoke to us, and it was supposed to be informational, and it became preachy. And man, did I get on the defensive. I did. Um, Diane can tell you that. Everyone can tell you. I was on the defensive. I was not happy. Because they were saying that their God was the same as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No way. Because not one time did they mention that their creator was one of love and grace. Not one time. Our God is one of love and grace. Our God is one that sees us. Not just to give us work to do, but to do his work, which is to live out of relationship with him. Not to do tasks. Tasks happen, but it's as a result of the love relationship with Jesus. So we were fighting these things all week. All week we were fighting these things. And there were good moments and there were bad moments. And then there were more good moments and there were bad moments. But I noticed, I, I was, you know, I'm trying to prepare for this message at the same time as doing all this stuff. And it wasn't easy. And the Lord said, stop trying to prepare because this week itself is your preparation. Oh, okay. So we keep watching. And then I said, Lord, what are you doing at Bridgewood? I kept saying this over and over. This is a true story. Lord, what are you doing at Bridgewood? Because what I see at Bridgewood is not what I've been witnessing here. And I mean that in a good way. So I kept asking, Lord, 
what are you doing at Bridgewood? And this is what I heard in my spirit over and over. Watch the students and you'll know. Now I'm going to try and get through this, so I apologize. Thursday came and Diane and I were actually contemplating leaving that night because we were frustrated. And we had one night left and everything, they did these devotions at night and they would do these little messages, but they read everything. There didn't feel to be heart in it. There didn't feel, it was just going through material and not really ushering us into God's presence, but more so get there yourself and, you know, if you don't know how, it's tough. And I, I hate that. So I'm being honest with you, I'm venting. Is that all right? I was like, man, this is frustrating. And that rebellion in me wanted to correct them. And man, I had all my, the- I mean, I had scriptures to throw at them. I had all this stuff. And I was ready to go toe-to-toe. I think Diane was ready to go toe-to-toe as well. I mean, we're ready. We're prepared with the word of God, bashing them in. I was ready to throw down, drop-kicking them with scripture and not letting them back up. That would have felt good. But now I can only dream about it. But, so, I'm fighting this temptation, and the Lord tells us really to stay. But every moment, I'm like, I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to get these kids out of there. But I couldn't stop hearing, watch these kids, watch these kids, watch these kids, watch these kids. So that night, they, they were having, the last night we were there, they were having a foot washing. I hate feet. <laughs> I don't like looking at them. I don't like touching them, and I don't like people touching mine. Anyone in the same boat with me? And when they smell and you can whiff it, it's even worse. It's like a scratch and sniff. You're like, this is horrible. So, needless to say, I was in a panic for 10 hours. And a few of us felt the same way, so we started a group. We don't want to do this. We don't want to touch feet group. That's what that was. So what we were told was that night, um, we would, the, the youth work staff would come and wash our feet. I'm like, that ain't happening. And then we would wash the students' feet. I've seen their feet. I don't want to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I said, okay, Lord, you need to prepare my heart because this just seems like Another smoke and mirrors kind of thing. Let's make it spiritual. Let's try and make this trip something. You know, it felt like a Hail Mary pass. You know what I'm saying there? But I thought, okay, I've got to practice what I preach. I'm definitely feeling discontentment. And this idea of discontentment, do you see how, this, how important it is? How we respond to it? So I said, I need to practice what I preach, which I hate doing, because that's hard. And so... I said, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And I kept hearing, whether you like it or not, this comes from me. Whether you like it or not, this comes from me. And when I hear this stuff, I see it in my spirit, like a, like a, a teleprompter, just something kind of, that's just how I see it. God speaks to us all differently, that's how I see it. And uh, this comes from me, so get in it, this comes from me. So they turned down the lights, and they put us in the little groups, and and all of a sudden, it was like the Spirit just whammed us. And I don't want to say fell. It wasn't like that. It was, it was all of a sudden, it, we were consumed. 
all the way around. It wasn't like, boom. It was like, boom. Almost like it came from the inside out and then smothered us again. That made it cocooned. And I went, oh, no, I'm going to have to have my feet washed. Oh, no, I'm going to have to wash others' feet. This is going down tonight. This is happening. So one of the guys, this good old boy Texan, uh, his name is Alex, great guy, works for YouthWorks, big guy, was a football player, loved hanging out with him. He was our uh, group leader, and um, we were running a sports camp with him, and, and Diane and Mark and Morgan and Sarah were doing other stuff, and so I didn't get to see them most of the week. Um, but Alex comes up, and he's going to wash my feet. And there's the dreaded bucket of water. There's the towel. And there he is, and he's looking at me. And then there's that always awkward moment. You don't want to make eye contact. You know, you know what's going to happen. It's going to touch your feet. It's a nasty thing. I don't want to share this moment. So <laughs> he's looking at me, and it's just like one of those, this is, this is going to happen. It's going to change your life. Well, the better, and for the good. Because this could be, go, only go two ways. I'll love it, or I'll chop off my own feet, because I don't want to see any feet ever again. Could happen. So I sit down, and obviously I can't sit still. You all know this. So I'm kind of like this. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to wash my feet, and my feet are going to vibrate in the water, and it's going to splash all over the place. And all of a sudden, again, that consuming feeling, I was still. I don't know what it means to be still. I don't. It's a, it's a burden in my life and, and a hard practice for me. But there I am. And I put, Alex grabs one foot and puts it in the water, and he just put water over my feet. He didn't really touch my feet. Yes, when? And uh, all of a sudden, the Lord just kept hitting me, and I started getting teary. And I was told everyone cries at this. I'm like, I'm not going to cry at this, even though I cried at everything else. But I'm like, I'm not going to cry at this. And I start crying. And I'm looking at Morgan, and he's already tearing up because he's next. So he knows what's going to happen. So I'm, you know, I'm there. And then as soon as he got done, he prays a blessing over me. And then I knew something's going to happen tonight. Something is going to speak into the core of our hearts that when we come back here, we have to share, not because it's awesome and cool and all that stuff, because we have to, because it's transformational. When we see in Luke, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, we see the king of the universe on his knees washing with the most filthy part of the body and doing it with such humility and grace. And then he says, go do likewise, not just to do it because it shows my heart. It shows that I'm willing to go where no one else is willing to go. That was radical in that culture. Do you understand that? Radical. And he washed these feet. And I'm thinking of that story. And so we go as a group. And we go into their gymnasium. And we turn down the lights. We got the mood music up. And our students are ready to have their feet washed. And what we witnessed that night was not something I've witnessed before. I've witnessed things like it that come from that mountaintop experience. The emotional content. But this wasn't emotional reaction. This was a spiritual reaction that displayed God's wisdom, as the scripture says in chapter 3, manifested in his church, which in this case was teenagers. 
I love working with teenagers because you see things you don't always see with adults. It's a sad fact, but it's a true one. And so, you know, our leaders are ready there, and one by one, we have a student come up. And I was no longer thinking about their feet. And God showed me their heart and what he wanted to say to them. And we're, all our leaders are doing that. Lord, what do you want to say? You see Jesus being practiced. You see him being manifested. And all of a sudden, you see all our students crying, all this. But then what happened after that? That was great. That was powerful. We saw our students connecting with Jesus. But what you saw after that was even better because you saw the leaders on the perimeter as the students took charge and stopped just praying and became intercessors of the living Lord, praying into the lives of everyone else. Every person that was hurting, the entire group was there on their knees laying hands, praying, and would not leave until God released them. Whoa! There was no timetable. There was no agenda. It was, Lord, what do you want to do in me and through me? I'm here. I'm going to do it. Because as Paul said, they exemplified that they had the privilege, the privilege to preach the gospel with their actions to one another. And we're watching, I'm sobbing, I'm crying. Everyone is crying. They're watching this happen because these kids finally understood their identity in Christ Jesus in such a way that they owned it. They didn't just know it, they owned it. They practiced it. And I whispered to Diane, we're out of a job. (laughs) That's a good thing. I would love to teach myself out of a job. It's coming true. And then you know what was cool? And this blew me away. After they were done, they went around and they prayed for their leaders. They came into the presence of God boldly and confidently because they know that they are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, the mystery of bringing Jews and Gentiles together, the mystery of his plan that speaks of his wisdom manifested in his church to show all the authorities in the heavenly realms who he is through his church. And we got to witness that in one of the most beautiful, beautiful ways. Beautiful. And I was, man, I wish our our church could see this. It was a privilege to witness. And I never felt for a moment that I was teaching them, that they were teaching us, and we were walking alongside them as we were doing ministry together. Not ministering to them necessarily, but ministering together. That is what changes the culture. We can come in and we can preach a moral code. We can go in and we can even preach the name of Jesus. But if we don't illustrate it through the practice of our actions, through and out of our identity, they're not going to receive it. They're not, because it's just words. You know, that people, they remember the actions of our government. They remember the actions. They don't care about words because words were betrayed by action. 
So if you look at them, you can look at them as Gentiles. You can look at even a lot of Christians as Gentiles. And our words are not going to be what, what, what stings the heart. It will be the practice of the presence of God that will sting the heart. That will change the heart. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes consistency. And it takes the boldness and the courage to practice it. My, one of my biggest beefs is when um, there's this, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but there's this kind of idea that, out there in the church that, you know, we want our kids, especially in youth group, to grow up and learn about Jesus. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people drop their kids off so that they can learn some morality in their lives. And I don't think they're often aware of the potency of that age group and the potency of what Jesus does with his children. So how are we going to be like that? How are we going to have that sense of a faith like a child where we're going to believe what he says, live out of who we are in him, and allow his wisdom to manifest itself in you and me, the church, and show all the authorities, all the powers of every realm, including the earthly one, who Jesus is. Who he is. Not what they think they know about him, but who he is, because we saw Jesus that night, and I'll tell you, I had experiences with the Lord that are private to me that I have not experienced in years, because I wasn't allowing myself to press in with an amazing trust, saying, God, do what you want, because I can tell you, let's ask the question, God, what do you want to do in me? But if I don't illustrate that in my own life, who cares? Who cares? I love our church body here at Bridges. I, I do so much, and I'm not just saying that. If you've learned anything from me, hopefully you learn that I'm honest. I love what God is doing here. I love it. Because it gives me hope that everything I've learned about what we make the church can be broken in the name of Jesus. And we can see something manifest itself that we haven't before. Do you want that? Yes or no? I shout it out. Yeah, yeah amen. Because I want that. I really want that. I don't want to doubt my identity. I don't want to doubt what God can do. I don't want to put him in a box. I don't want a moral code. I want Jesus. I want to know who he is in his fullness. Not just what he's done, but what he's doing and going to do. But we will never know that if we don't participate with him. We must participate in the manifestation of his wisdom and grace. We must. I got to witness something. Diane got to witness something beautiful. Learn from this. Because this is what God's doing. He's going to break the ceiling through this place. He is. He is. And I'm going to say this. The enemy will do everything he can to snuff it out. Everything. He already tried this morning. I knew the Lord had a message to bring to Bridgewood. Him, not me, him. The band here was supposed to play, and we had a plan for weeks. It was supposed to come in at 7.30 last night. They didn't come in until 2 a.m., and they were told that they'd probably be diverted to uh, Detroit. So we knew, okay, wait a minute, what's going on? And then we're missing people, and people are coming in late, not on purpose. It just was happening. And we said, Lord, what are you doing? 
Something good. So, all right. So we start practicing his presence and start praying against the works of the enemy so that the Lord can have his way with you and with me. And he's gonna. He's gonna. One way or another, he's gonna. So let's continue in the midst of our discontent to practice his presence. Because when, when we do that, mm, it is good. It is good. Let's pray. Lord, I've, I've just, ugh. I'm blown away by you. Um, words are not enough. They don't carry the power, but your name does. It carries the power and, and the majesty of who you are. Lord, you're, you're doing something good here. And I don't mean our definition of good. I mean your definition of good. Who you are. Who you are. So Lord, I pray um, for this congregation that you would continue to unite us in the name of Jesus. That we would continue to be a manifestation as the church of Jesus Christ. Of your wisdom. Of your love and your grace and your power. We thank you that we know you. And Lord, we want to know you more. We want to go after you. We want to go deeper. We want to go further into your presence. So Lord, may we encourage one another as we do that, as we go after you, so that we can live as kingdom citizens every day, day in, day out, day in, day out. So Lord, I pray as that we enter this time of offering, that what we bring to you would reflect what you're doing in our lives that what we would bring to you would be a blessing and that you would use it for your kingdom, for your glory, through your power, and through your grace. So I pray and ask that we would worship with boldness. Boldness from the heart. Whatever that looks like is what that looks like. So we thank you, Jesus. We worship you and we praise you. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen.